today on the podcast, it is Saturday, June 6th. We have Mark Thurman, who is the leader and the creator of the Rise Up Center at Landmark College. Um, we were classmates together. And, you know, I wanted to reach out to you because a lot's been happening in the world the last couple of weeks with police brutality and racial injustice. And, you know, I'm going to, I want to enter, I want to let you speak and, and, and sort of like, you know, open the floor to you, but I've been in this um, interracial relationship for the past three years. And it's something that like my girlfriend love and I, um, at times we talk a lot about, you know, the things that are happening in society. Um, yeah. I'm, a, I'm obviously a white guy. I came from an upper class neighborhood. Yeah. Um, and, you know, love. She grew up in Newark. Mark, mm-hmm. you grew up in Newark. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, you know, really know where to start with this. Yeah. I guess I could just sort of like, you, if you want to talk about you and the Rise yeah. Up Center and sort of like, you know, I, th- I thought you were someone who would have a very good insight into some of the things that are going on in the world right now. That's why I'm reaching out to you. Yeah. Um, first of all, I just want to thank you for reaching out to me. I always thought we always had a, a good connection. Even when we were students here, we were always cool. So, um, and uh, I think, you know, what you're doing right now is, 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 is great because, you know, you say, you know, I don't know how to start this or what to do. You're doing it. This is, this is how we started right here, having the conversation, not being afraid to have the conversation. And I think when we all come together like this during this time, that's, that's the only way we can have progress, you know. Um, I guess I'll just introduce myself first. Uh, my name is Mark Thurman. Um, I am actually the coordinator of diversity and inclusion at Landmark College. I run three centers here, which is the Women's Center, the LGBTQ Center, which is Stonewall Center, and the Rogers Center, which is for students of color. Um, I actually worked in this position for about a year now, going on year two. And um, honestly, I love the work that I'm doing, but not only that, I'm continuing to learn from the students and the students are learning from me. So it's building something, it's building a great foundation here for students um, that um, just because they have a learning disability doesn't mean we can't have a conversation. So you're able to see this this um, special movement happen between people who are processing different things and who are seeing different things. So uh, that's the work that I'm doing uh, right now. Also um, connecting with NAACP, which I just started really, really connecting with within Vermont right now. They have a board now here. And um, so I'm getting involved and just really wanting to connect and have these conversations that do seem difficult, but um, if if we don't have them, then we can't make progress, you know? Um, so with everything that's happened, George Floyd, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, the names go on, the names go on. I think uh, George Floyd, for me, how I took everything was, okay, here we go again. As a black man in America, that's how I took it. Here we go again. But for the first time, I felt like everybody was paying attention. Didn't matter if you were black, didn't matter if you were yellow, green, white, it didn't matter. Everybody was paying attention. And because of the coronavirus. So it's like, what else? I can't turn the channel. I'm not going to work. 
I'm not walking my dog. I'm in a house. So everyone had to pay attention to these incidents that were happening. And it, it stopped being, I felt like it stopped being a black problem and it became a worldwide problem. Like, yo, this is a human being that was brutally attacked by police officers and this is wrong. That's for the first time for my, you know, for my overview of everything, for the first time people saw that. Um, the other half of me was also like, well, what about Tamir Rice? What about Trayvon Martin? What about Mike Brown? We've had these riots. We've had these marches. But no one was paying attention because life was still going. Mm -hmm. So if you didn't want to pay attention to it, you didn't have to. You did not have to. But now for the first time, America got to look at itself in the mirror. And I felt like it got to really see, wait a minute. Oh my God, we're like this? This is, this is what we're doing? And the rest of the world was like, we were so blinded this whole time. Where, you know, four or five years ago, I'm sitting there in a room full of other students of color in tears because of Trayvon Martin, because of Mike Brown. But when I stepped out the dorm, it's the everybody's just going to class, everything is fine. And you're like, why isn't anyone talking about this? So for the first time, the world was put on notice. This is an issue, we have to fix this. So uh, that's just been my whole perspective of seeing everything and allowing myself to be emotional, to be angry, but to also say, okay, I'm also in the position to have the conversation. I'm also in the position to do what our great leaders have done from Dr. King to Malcolm X, to Harriet Tubman, to Frederick Douglass, the list goes on. I can't be angry and allow my emotions to get in the way of us having the conversation because then we make no progress. Yeah. We make no progress. If I'm, if I'm looking at you right now and I'm angry, I'm like, yo, it's your fault, this is it. We're not, we're not growing. You're not, gonna, you're not gonna understand my pain. You're not gonna understand why. If I walk out this door, it may be the last time. It's sad to say that. As a black man in America, I know if I go outside right now, something is bound, something could happen. I could, I could be the next, the next person that you see on a Black Lives Matter flyer. Like it's, I think people don't understand just the mental, what it does to the mind, you know, and, 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 and different things that can happen because of that fear. So for me, I'd rather have these conversations, these difficult conversations, no matter what you look like, no matter what gender you are, because you wanting to know is what's going to make this continue. Because a month from now, we're not talking about George Floyd. Yeah, at all. We're not talking about Breonna Taylor. So what are we doing? We must, so, you know, with everything that's happening, my big thing is how do we capitalize on this moment? What are we doing to change the laws that are still in place to protect police officers when they get into situations like this? And I think a lot of people don't realize how these laws are written already. So if, if this person does something to this person, it's already protected by law. Mm -hmm. So when you're like, yo, arrest this person, do this and that, it's going to be a process. Just like it's a process for someone who's African-American injustice behind bars 
and they want to be free and and found not guilty for a murder they never committed but then you're like damn they was in there for like five or six years and then they finally got out it's the same process on the other side because these laws are already written so therefore we have to figure out how do we get into the room and change the scenarios we have to change the scenario because this can continue if we don't end up having these conversations and start changing the laws. And I think that's something that we're not paying attention to. It's like, how do we make pro progress if we don't look at every little detail, you know? And, uh, and, and, and it, it takes a lot to like push, your, push aside your pride and your emotion to see everything. So, you know, for me, for me being in this position, I'm trying to make sure that you can say what you need to say and you can tell me what your views are so that I can see why you, you may not have gotten this education. I can see why you didn't have, you know, this was never on your doorstep. I understand. But then I'm going to tell you how you had opportunities to do it and how because of your privilege, you can do X, Y, and Z. So it's not coming up to me and saying, hey, I'm sorry, what happened? If you need anything, call me. I don't want to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see... I want to see action. Yeah. So, you know, Tyler, you know, you're making action right now. Right now, you are saying, hey, we're going to have this conversation. I don't give a fuck what my viewers may think or whatever, whatever. We want to have this conversation because this is about making a change and this is about shutting up and doing something. And, and, and for me, it's like, I, I don't want to hear. I'm sorry. I don't want to hear that. It's like, okay, what can we do? Yeah, I, I'm go sorry, ahead. go on. No, I was just going to say, I know, Love, you probably have a lot you want to say. Um, I just want to say something real quick. I think that the difficulty is like starting this conversation and saying like, you know, for me, I'm a white person who's never had to deal with any of these things. And I, you yeah. know, may have been seeing these things happen and go on and comments made. And we've, and I've just said, we have, I've kind of had the attitude of, well, it's not my problem that sucks for you. And, and I don't mean like me personally, but I just think as like a society, okay. we've been yeah. like, Oh, well, Oh, well. And I think that like personally seeing the brutality on tape of that guy strangle the cop strangle George yeah. Floyd made me feel a certain way where I was like, okay, there, you can't really put this. I, I don't feel comfortable just putting this aside. Like I want to be yeah. a part of the solution. So yeah. that's just yeah. my personal thought. Um, do you want to piggyback off anything or? Yeah, I feel like as a black woman, I have so many mixed emotions. Um, yeah. to see people, uh, because I, I study Buddhism and because I really mm -hmm. try to focus on responding with compassion, my initial response was very similar to yours, um, where mm -hmm. it's like, I, like one, I'm not shocked. And I think a lot of people who were shocked, I was like, okay, this is because you've tried to like keep the veil in front of you mm -hmm. so that you can't yeah. truly see so when yeah. that's when people are like enraging up in arms right now i do understand the anger on the on the uh on like the black lives matter movement i do understand yeah. the anger but i i am not going to respond with anger personally because that as you said like that literally prohibits me from 
having a discussion. If I'm responding out of anger, I cannot sit here openly and have a conversation with somebody who doesn't have a similar view as me or have a conversation with somebody who's like, I support police officers. I can't have that conversation and use the intellect that I have or like even progress this person's mind, even 1% in the direction of it's, you know, my life matters. That's the important part. Like, and I, I think right now we have a quote upstairs in our kitchen that says self-awareness equals to active listening, which leads to self-realization, which leads to self-actualization. Right now we need so many people who are aware of their position in this world. You need to understand as a white person or person of color, who you are in this world, like personally and how other people may perceive you so that you can be able to actively listen. So we can have dialogue and we can have conversations. And I think a lot of people who are using the rage right now, I'm, I'm going on Facebook and Instagram intermittently because it's way too much for me, but to see people say, if you still support Trump, please unfriend me or yeah. unfollow me. To, to see yeah. that, that does make me frustrated because it's like, you are not helping anyone. Mic. You're not helping the cause. You're not helping like yeah. people understand. And yeah. we need people to understand so that we can capitalize on this moment and continue to progress. And we need to find solutions. And that means being able to actively listen. I yeah. can't have a conversation with him. And we do this a lot in our own relationship. I say like, are you willing to actively listen? Because I know if you're not willing to actively listen, there's no point in having this conversation. Yeah. So I'm wasting my time. <laughs> I'm wasting my time. Yeah. And I think right now, a lot of people are genuinely wasting their time when we, when they respond out of anger, because all that's, first of all, that's what's uh, like seen when you see a black person, it's from the other perspective. And that's something we watched yesterday in 13th. They've made, they've made black people look angry and like criminals. So it's like, I can't have a conversation with you out of anger. I can't, I have to do I have to be as peaceful as possible. I have to be calm. I have to respond with compassion. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, it. I feel like you're honestly right because, you know, thinking with that same, you know, mindset, um, I always, always say that history repeats itself. And I believe that the reason why history sometimes repeats itself because it's like a test to humanity. What are you going to do now? What are you going to, what are you going to do? How are you going to change the scenario? And um, I believe that with, with, in this moment of time, we have the opportunity to come together and change the scenario. And, um, you know, for me, for me right now, it's, I'm allowing myself to be uh, available, you know, and I think that's, that's something that's uh, not easy to do especially when a lot of the rooms that I have been been in where I'm like the only person of color or yeah. maybe only about three of us, you know, so it's, it can be difficult spiritually and it can be difficult. But at the same time, I think about, um, okay, what about these kids? And I think that's what been really my main, my main like uh, 
thinking pattern so far. You know, I have a little brother who's eight and I have a little sister who's 12 and I have, um, I have about <laughs> four, five, like five nephews, two nieces. So I, I think about them growing up and I say, okay, this is what I have to do just so that their future is still bright. Yeah. And with doing that, it's just really putting away your, your pride and talking to someone who is stubborn and talking to someone who doesn't want to see that black lives do matter. And why are you saying black lives matter? And allowing myself to be able to break it down to someone who may not understand. And the reason, you know, I saw this, I saw this great, uh, this great like quote on, on how to like really, you know, connect with people on black lives matter and all lives matter. I said, just imagine if we all live in the same neighborhood and my house is on fire and your house is not on fire. And you're telling the fireman, hey, how can we not spray my house with holes, with the water holes? And he's like, because your house is not on fire. So my house is on fire. I need your help. So yes, Black lives do matter because right now yeah. it's burning up. It's burning up and we need all the help we can get so that this can stop happening. So I thought that was like the best, you know, way of really breaking it down to people because everybody... I think right now, I went to a peaceful protest in Brattleboro, and it felt so good being in this protest because you saw people that didn't look like me, who had their fist up, who had Black Lives Matter posters, who had images of George Floyd. And when I looked around, I was like, wow, I wish everyone can feel this right now because I can count the people of color that was in in the crowd i can count them but we have people who didn't look like me who said you know what i'm listening you know what this isn't right you know what i'm allowing myself to be educated yeah and, um i think it's you know when you look at when you look at someone who isn't uh, a person of color and they're being told hey you have to educate yourself on these things i i find it Hard for some, hurtful sometimes when someone says like, oh, wow, or can you just send me the link or can you just do this? And I'm like, well, when I was in the first, second and third grade and I had to learn history class, I couldn't get no links on who George Washington was, Abraham Lincoln and, all, and, the, and what happened during this war and that war. But we didn't talk about any person of color throughout all of American history classes. I didn't ask for that. I sat there, studied them, did the research, had to do a 12-page paper on this person and that person. So if I didn't ask for that, then you shouldn't ask for that when we're learning about my history that has a lot to do with your history. Yeah. So like, I, I you know, I, 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 when people do that, I look at them and say, well, me and you, you and I had the same history teacher. I didn't, I didn't ask you for any links. I sat there and read the same book you read. Yep. I think a lot of times we can forget that, um, the education factor on on Black lives and, and Af African-American history isn't in everyone's face. They have a choice if they want to take those classes. We didn't have a choice to learn your history. Mm -hmm. so I, I don't even, I'm, I'm sorry. I was just, I don't even think they like, when I was growing up in history, I didn't learn about these things. I learned that there was, there was slavery and that Black people were taken from Africa. They yeah. worked the lands, they worked the fields. And they, in, eight, in 1850, you know, Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves. You don't learn about the brutality. You don't learn about how police was 
uh, incorporated as a way to handle free slaves and how there yeah. is this uh, comparison with African-Americans and the police as history goes on, how there's this relationship between the two. So it's not until you're an adult that you really learn the, the brutality of some of the things that used to go on. Um, and I don't even think until you're an adult that like, I think that's why we have so many ignorant people in the world because even when you're an adult, it feels more like people disconnect themselves from the truth. Yeah. Than when you're a child, you're like, wow, this is really happening. And as an educator, I say this consistently and I've had conversations with my dad and other friends and I'm just like, if we do not teach our own history, one, we're, we're minimizing our own community, right? Because they don't know exactly yeah. how we've gotten to this point. And yeah. then the fact that we are literally only focusing on the strengths and uh, of white America, that does something to you mentally where you see yeah. that white people are always conquering or always like somehow able to overcome and you see us in our very small role in American history as slaves who yeah. now we are free and that seems like yay such a huge accomplishment it's like we are not free at all we have so many we have so many stipulations on who on like what we can and can't do just because of our skin color and it, it's so odd to me that people are not fighting radically for the education system. And I keep saying this and, and we had this very long meeting um, via Zoom for uh, our weekly meeting at school and everyone, you know, they share their opinions on how they feel right now. And I'm like, I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't care about how you feel right now. I don't care. I, and it could be brutal, but like, I'm trying to figure out what we're going to do going into next year, because I don't want to hear about how you feel right now. And then there's no progress from this and yeah. we continue to do the same things and we continue. And I work in a charter school and I, I consistently debate our role as good or bad. And I've said this to the principal and other teachers. Yeah. You have to. They have seem to think that we are doing a fantastic job because we're educating students. And I'm like, how much of their education are they learning about themselves and their history? And it's the, it shows yeah. up intermittently every now and then. We do like whole school meetings where we talk about things that are happening. And my little sister who lives in a very rural neighborhood in Washington, New Jersey, and she is like one of four black students in her school, she tells me they have assemblies where they're, they're like learning how to yo-yo. They, mm -hmm. they never see a black person or they never talk about what's happening. And I yeah. lived that life. So yeah. I know how important it is to educate. Oh yeah. And oh, yeah. it's, it's frustrating that, uh, people are just responding out of anger. I'm like, no, we have to figure out ways to implement what we want in our own communities. Like we need that, to, that needs to be on the forefront of everything that we do. And yeah. I had a conversation with a friend and he was very like negative towards how I felt. And I was like, well, one, that's very, it, it's a, it's hard to have a conversation when somebody is consistently negative. Right. But also, yeah. Yeah. I don't like the idea right now that people are thinking if you're not posting, you're not doing anything. If you're not going to protest, you're not doing anything. And they think that those are like a few of the only ways to make a change right now. Yeah. Because I work in a ver in a network and because I know that I'm 
educating students and that's really important. I realize that like my role right now is important as it's always been, but really important now when it comes to this is how I feel. How am I going to implement change at my own school? How am I going to talk to my young brown girls about their history in a way that they give a shit? Like, how am I going to do that? Because realistically working in this neighborhood, I realize many, uh, many of our own people don't care that much until things like this happen. And I think we have to be real about that. Mm -hmm. You're right. You're right. Right. And I think like, and that's what I was saying right now is the time for us to capitalize on being in the position where everyone's like this. Yep. We're listening. Yeah. And and it's like, okay, what can we do? Okay. What can we do? How can we structure things where two months from now, three months from now, four months from now, this system is, is being built in a way where we're helping and we're educating and we're not hearing, oh, I didn't know. We're not hearing, oh, I didn't see that. Oh, we're not hearing like, oh my God, how can I help you? We're hearing, all we're hearing is pen to pad, mm-hmm. foot to foot, hand to hand. How can we change the scenario? Um, you know, even, even right now with, um, the Drew Brees. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. <laughs> uh, with Drew Brees' statement. Everyone is looking back now at Kaepernick's protests from a few years ago, and obviously they were always about police brutality, and now it's coming back to the fore, and a lot of people expect that we will see players kneeling again even when the NFL season starts. I'm curious how you think the NFL will and should respond to that, and of course you're such a leader in the league. Uh, what is your responsibility as a leader uh, in times like this for the rest of your teammates and, and players in the league? Well, I, I will I will never agree with anybody um, disrespecting the flag of the United States of America or our country. Um, let me let me just tell you what I see or what I feel when the national anthem is played and when I look at the, the flag of the United States. I envision my two grandfathers who fought for this country during World War II, one in the Army and one in the Marine Corps, both risking their lives to protect our country and to try to make our country and this world a better place. So every time I stand with my hand over my heart, looking at that flag and singing the national anthem, that's what I think about. And in many cases, it brings me to tears, thinking about all that has been sacrificed, not just those in the military, but for that matter, those throughout the civil rights movements of the 60s and everyone and all that has been endured by so many people up until this point. And is everything right with our country right now? No, it's not. We still have a long way to go. But I think what you do by standing there and showing respect to the flag with your hand over your heart is it shows unity. It shows that we are all in this together. We can all do better. And that we are all part of the solution. Basically, he he was asked about his stance on protesting against the national anthem. And his first response was, uh, no. I'm always going to disagree with anybody who goes against the flag. And it's sort of like, bro, you were asked that question four years ago when Colin Kaepernick first knelt, kneeled, and you, you've shown no growth or no progression of thought over these four years. It's still constantly, the flag means this to me. It's about the military, and I'm never going to agree with anyone who disrespects it. Mm. And yeah, obviously he was chastised by like so many people in the NFL and celebrity figures, but 
I just feel like if you go back and you listen to the first statements that Colin Kaepernick made the day of the time he first sat on the bench as a 49er and listen to what he says, why he did that. Um, I mean, ultimately, it's to bring awareness and make people you know, realize what's really going on in this country. There are a lot of things that are going on that are unjust. People aren't being held accountable for. And that's something that needs to change. That's something that, you know, this country stands for freedom, liberty, justice for all. And it's not happening for all right now. Will you continue, will you continue Colin, to sit? Will you continue to sit? Yes, I'll continue to sit. I'm going to continue to stand with the people that are being oppressed. Uh, to me, this is something that has to change. And when there's significant change, and I feel like that flag represents what it's supposed to represent, and this country is representing people the way that it's supposed to, I'll stand. Specifically, what would you like to see change in order for you to stand? There's a lot of things that need to change. Uh, one, one specifically is police brutality. There's people being murdered unjustly and not being held accountable. Cops are getting paid leave for killing people. That's not right. That's not right by anyone's standards. Colin, so many people see the flag as kind of a symbol of military. How do you view it and, and what do you say to those people? Uh, you know, I have great respect for men and women that have fought for this country. I have family, I have friends that have gone and fought for this country. And they fight for freedom. They fight for the people, they fight for liberty and justice for everyone. And that's not happening. I mean, people are dying in vain because this country isn't holding their end of the bargain up as far as, you know, giving freedom and justice and liberty to everybody. It's something that's not happening. And I've seen videos, I've seen cir circumstances where men and women that have been in the military have come back and been treated unjustly by the country they fought for and have been murdered by the country they fought for on our land. That's not right. His words have nothing to do with the military. Mm -hmm. He's saying, I agree with the social, I agree with the police brutality and the treatment of African Americans in this country. This is the land of the free, but it's not, it's not for, free for all of us. We are not all free here. And I think if you just listen to what he says, it has, it, it has nothing to do with, with him against the military. People yeah. want to like hide behind that. And look, yeah. I've never, I'm not African-American. I'm also not a soldier, a veteran. My grandfather was in World War II. But other than that, like I can't, I'm not like on one side or the other here. But I yeah. just think if you like listen to the guy and just try to like have some empathy and hear yeah. what he's saying. Yeah. Like he's, he's respectfully, peacefully protesting against innocent lives being killed. Yes. And this has been going on for four years and nothing has changed. And now you have, we can, I want to hear your opinion on this. I'm sorry, I'm going a little rant, but oh, no, it's okay. now no. we have people who are violently saying, well, this, the peaceful protests have been going on for four years, decades, hundreds of years. Nothing has changed. We're fucking tired of this shit. We're going to start causing havoc. And I know you guys are talking about leading with compassion, which is a very hard thing to do, but it's like, I use this, you know, I use this metaphor, which I was talking to earlier, but my girlfriend, like, yo, if somebody, if my dog, who is a rescue, who's got a little anger issues, she nipped another dog and which is a little minor, minor mistake. Like, you know, George Floyd paying with a fake $20 bill. 
which is, you know, it's, it's not allowed. You can get a ticket, whatever. It's a, it's a slap on the wrist. If somebody were to put their knee on my dog's neck and murder my dog for doing something so small as to nipping another dog like that cop did to George Floyd, I wouldn't be peacefully protesting that shit. I'd lose my fucking mind. I'd go crazy. I'd go, go to the guy's house. So I think that people have to like put that into perspective. If that was their family member or something like that, like it's hard to be compassionate for so long and wait out for due process. So that was just sort of my take on like people violently protesting and I'm not for the looting. I'm I'm going on a huge rant right now. We can get in a lot. So that's, that was sort of my thought on like listening to Drew Brees talk about the flag and I, and, and, you know, the Colin Kaepernick protest, just listen to what he says. You can argue about, you know, he, the, the whole him going back to the NFL and he's been offered a position or the deal with Nike. Like, those are all things. Just listen to what his initial protest was for. So, yeah. what, do you, what did you think about the Drew Brees statements? Um, I was shocked. I was shocked because I think um, a lot of people – when it comes to uh, idols, people you look up to, a lot of people paint this picture and we forget that these people are human beings. And um, when the statement came out, I was shocked because I was like, how are, you, how, how are you gonna say that when most of the people, majority of the men on your team are African-American? So in my head, I was like, I don't think you, you really processed what, exactly is happening right now and i don't think you really process the fact that how my teammates are going to feel if i say this and stephen a said something really great he said if you are a team leader no jason williams said this if you are a team leader and you call yourself a team captain you're all about understanding each one of your players and you're all about communicating and connecting to each one of your players because you all want to be one so if you are saying that you're this great leader and you're all about uh, connecting and building in better communities, how could you say something like that during this time when everyone is very sensitive right now? And it goes back to communication and education. So um, when I say that, when Drew B's statement came out, that's what it said to me. The communication wasn't there and the education wasn't there. So this same statement he said five years ago, five years later, he's still standing on it. That means he didn't get to sit down on what Black Lives Matter was and what Black Matter is. He didn't get to sit down on other lives that were lost and killed by police brutality. He didn't have that conversation. And if he did have that conversation, he wasn't listening. Mm-hmm. So this was a wake-up call for everyone else, not only in the NFL, not in the NBA, not only in the NHL, but all around the world, and especially here in the United States. Just because you're standing next to me saying, hey, I can help you with anything, you need something, there has to be a communication, meaning a conversation, and you have to educate yourself. Now you see the switch where he's like, I'm going to open up the book. I'm going to call my teammates and have that real conversation instead of trying to look good on Sports Illustrated 
and throw touchdowns because it's far more than just the game. And I think now he's allowing himself to see. He's allowing his ears to be open because people think you need to see with your eyes. You actually need to hear with your eyes because that's the first thing that you are looking at. So for Drew Brees, I believe that he, I believe that he understands now. He got the punch to the face. Yeah, so I want to say to you, it, and I'm not upset that he said that, and I want people to speak their mind right now because yeah. if he did not say that, he would have never understood. He exactly. would have never had the open conversations with people. So exactly. I, and I've been saying this since this has all started happening. I have bias. I have, and I think it, you have to be aware of your bias. I have bias towards white men and women alike. I don't always trust white men and women. And that yeah. might, that does play a part sometimes in the actions that I, pers- that I, and the and my actions towards white people i have a valid reason to be biased because of yeah. my own experiences but yeah. i think that as long as i know my bias then i can go back to that active listening because i know that now i can still actively listen and somebody can check me and be like this might be your bias showing up and i'm like yeah you're right it <laughs> might it really yeah. might so yeah. i think yeah. that because like he said that now he is aware of his bias and now he can go ahead and actively listen. And right now I think we need people to say these things. I need people who, who genuinely feel like, no, I still really am for police lives and they, they matter to me just like all, I need people to say that to me because then I'm going to let you know, you might have some bias that you didn't think existed. You think, cause you have, a black friend or your best friend's friend is black that you're yeah. that you're not racist or that you don't have this bias but you actually do so the way that i'm feeling about everybody coming together i have very mixed emotions because yeah. you're right this isn't the time where corona is happening people really can't do anything else so yeah. when we go to these protests and when we see people who are willing to stand on the front lines with people of color i am i'm i don't I'm not afraid to say it. I'm definitely questioning people's like intentions at this time, because if you were willing to blind yourself when you were like busy, right in life and you didn't have the attention to give to it, how do I know that now, because your attention is not focused on anything else. As soon as things get back to normal, you're back on the it, yeah. doesn't, it doesn't matter that much to me. Yeah. So I want true allies. I don't want yeah. people who are going to stand beside me because it's a trend. And I mm-hmm. think that right now, I think we might genuinely think we're coming together, but I have a strong prediction that when things open back up, yeah. a lot of people who were standing on the front lines, a lot of people posting those black pictures for their Instagram, yep. quickly yep. go back to the, oh, you like, they, you just don't care anymore. And, and well, yeah, go uh, on. I'm sorry. Uh, I um, I definitely uh, just everything that you both says is it's 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 real. This is because guess what? This is what this is this is the conversations that are happening elsewhere as well. And 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 what I and what I say is that's why I brought up that we have to capitalize right now on changing the scenario because, mm-hmm. you know, uh, right now, you know, everybody's about it. Yeah. Yeah. But, it's easy you know, to be every, like, yeah, right now it's easy. Yo, yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yo, I got yeah. your back. 
it's easy but, to post a black square in your Instagram yeah, profile. Yeah, if bro. they things or, or yeah. shoot me a text or shoot you a text or say something nice with me, it's saying, well, I need to build this scholarship fund for students of color and I need this to happen because I see, I want to see more students of color graduate. So how do we do this? Yes. How do we work together? Because I want to know a couple months from now, a year from now, I've already put this into yes. in a position where since everyone's, the doors are wide open, go in there and get as much done as you possibly can. Because let me tell you something, when Trayvon Martin was laid up on someone else's lawn and was killed and George Zimmerman got away with murder and then they end up auctioning the gun that was used to kill Trayvon Martin, somebody brought the gun, I forgot for how much, but a lot of money. And no one talks about that. And this man is still running free. I'm looking at the situation right now and I said, I have to prepare myself and I have to not allow my emotions to get tied up on Instagram, to get yep. tied up on Facebook. Yep. And I have to understand that the next kid of color that comes through those doors, I am ready. The team is ready. And we're going to help you be successful because this is the field that I'm in. So how do I capitalize right here for George Floyd? Yeah. So yeah. for five years from now, when that student graduates, George Floyd. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. Right now, my friend Danny and whoever, who like, yo, Mark, we, we never really talked about this before. I'm sorry these things are happening. I'm not worried about that. Right now, this is what it is. Right now, you want to call me. Right now, you want to connect with me. That's great. But I'm going to really test you five years from now when we're talking about this again. Yes. Yes. That's, that's how I'm feeling right now. I'm going to see the true testament to people's uh, like beliefs and morals yeah. when the trend oh, yeah. dies down. Oh yeah. It's a trend right now. And um, I think some people are getting tied up in it. And I think for me, I, I've really been looking at uh, Dr. King a lot, you know, I really, and I, and I've been really studying just his work and, 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 and what, and what, he did and what kind of man he was mm -hmm. and what I did was I said I don't want to read or look into what's already out there let me see things that he tried to start that didn't become successful let me see how he was trying to go into different neighborhoods and change the structure and see how hard it was and why was it hard and what what can I do being in this position how can I capitalize and lead and still do the work that I'm doing five years later from today and uh, what, I, what I learned was we, we, we must change the rules. We must change the laws that are being put into place. My 12-year-old sister wants to be a lawyer. And I told her on the phone, I said, do what you need to do because we're going to need you. Yeah. I said, so right now you want to go protest? This is how you're going to do it. This is how to do it safely. Let me know. Connect with me. And I'm just on my end trying to educate her how to... To, to do it the right way. And uh, there's, there's many different ways of letting your voice be heard and everybody has their own angle of doing yeah, it. Yeah, that's what, yeah, and that's it, sort of, yeah, I'm sorry, go on. I mean, and I think right now, we really need to push the, what are you gonna do a year from now, Mark? I think that needs to be more talked about right now. Since we have everybody's ears and everybody's mm -hmm. attention, it's like, okay, judges, lawyers, uh, allies that wanna change things, let's just do that. Let's do that. Let's because, um, you know, when you look at 
America, it was built on the back of slaves. It was taken from the Native Americans and the roots of the system are built on racism and on dividing and conquering. So if these things have been in place for decades after decades after decades after decades, you saw that truly from what Trump's speech was the other day. So that he is, what's crazy about that is I'm noticing after watching 13th, first of all, I will say as a black woman, I am not informed on everything. This is yeah. part of the reason why I get kind of agitated when people like, well, you didn't tell me. Uh, I don't know everything. Like I, I grew up in a white neighborhood where they only taught me white American history. I don't know everything. There's things that I learn now because I work in an urban community and they're willing to like educate yeah. our children on that. But I did not know a lot of this. So yeah. I think right now I'm, I learned from watching 13th that a lot of the like politicians have all really echoed the same thing. And it's yeah. all been very yeah. racist. And yes. they just marketed it as something they, else. They changed the wording. Like when the it's war really on like crime yeah. and the war on drugs. And I'm just like, wow. It's it's yeah. They no use no clue. Yeah. Did you know that going? No, I had no idea. And it's like and it's like it, it was with Reagan and Nixon. Uh, Nixon and Clinton. Clinton. They just, it was, uh, the war on drugs is really the war on African-Americans. And yeah. I had no clue even yes. because people will say Clinton is the first black president, which makes me mad as hell because like you just, that doesn't make any freaking sense, but yeah. to know what he, he cool, quote unquote. Yeah. Cool. But to know what he did to African communities is like, what? Who would ever say that about him? Who would ever say that he was the first black president? Clearly, we were not informed. And that's yeah. why I'm like, we need to stop acting like we're all informed on what's happening. Some people genuinely are, but like, there's so much more that we don't know. I don't know all of the legislature that criminalizes Black people for doing very minimum things. Yeah. I don't know all of the laws and the rules that make it basically okay for police officers to harm us off of nothing. I don't yeah. know those things. So it's like, how can I continue to educate others when I don't know? So we, we keep going back to this yeah, education. We keep going back to this education standpoint, but education is so vital in the yeah. success of all of our people. It doesn't matter what color you are, because then we could really minimize some of the hatred when you go back home and your parents are talking to you about, oh, well, we be careful around black people or whatever the rhetoric might be in your home. Yeah. It, you could combat that if you knew in elementary school, or if you knew in grade school, what was really happening and some of the heinous yeah. things that happened to people of color. Like, yeah. it, I don't know. I'm very strong in the education standpoint. Uh, yeah. And I'm learning too. Like, you know, we watched the 13th. I think it's just called 13th last night. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah. you see how these presidents, uh, like I just said, they use the war on drugs and the war on terror as an excuse. But it's like with, with Trump now, it's the war on Mexicans and foreigners. Build the wall is just another excuse to incarcerate people who aren't from America. Yeah. And you see the prison population is, is going through the roof. Um, what was mm. I going to say? Um, yeah, the one thing that I really liked that I never thought about, how are we the land of the free, but we have more people in prisons here than any other nation? Yeah, so yeah. Like, 
there's just one. So one last thing. So, so I kind of want to like ask both of you guys, like, okay, the first thing, what we can do is educate ourselves is listen and educate ourselves about the history of what has been going on and sort of like politicians and who's in power. So that's, we do that by reading books, watching these documentaries, learning, learning the truth. Yeah. Um, What are some other things that you guys think that we can do as, you know, non-African Americans to understand and have some empathy towards what is going on? I think, I think not, I think allowing yourself to, to listen. And I think also um, educating yourself and coming and, and, and bringing up the conversation. You know, I don't want to be the one to bring up yes. yeah. <laughs> things that are happening. I want you to come up to me and be like, hey, you know, I, I saw something on the news today and it really upset me. And, you know, this is how I feel about it. What's up? And I could be thinking about this all day. You don't even know. But you bringing it up just means that you are aware what is happening, even though the person that is happening to doesn't look like you. So for me, I, 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 I don't mind having that conversation. Even if I'm not in the mood that day, I'll still be open to have that conversation only because you came up to me like you were my brother. You know? Show that you care. That you care. Yeah. So that for me means more than anything, you know, I, you know, when someone says, Oh, can you send me links or do anything? Like, don't, don't ask me anything like that. <laughs> tell, tell me yeah. Show that you care. Yeah, yeah. Tell me what you learned today. I want to, I want to say, Oh, I'm having a program and so-and-so and we're going to learn about Harriet Tubman and we're going to watch a documentary and then we're going to show a film next week about it. I want you to show up. Yeah. I want you to say, Hey, I'm here to support you. I just want to sit down and just listen. That's everything. Thank you. Thank you for that. Because step I know. Out, yeah, I'm sorry. Go on. Step out your comfort zone. Yeah. 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 And I think for me, that's, you know, for me, that's what I, that's, that's what I want to see. I want to see you step out your comfort zone. Don't send me a letter. Don't shoot me a text. If you're going to do all those things, if you're going to shoot me the text, shoot me the letter, I want to see you work. I want to see that I'm doing the program and you're like, oh, I'm there. I want to see you maybe hit me with an article to say, hey, this might help you with some um, work you're doing with your students. Oh, thank you. Things of that sort shows me that you're thinking about the person that you're connecting with and you're thinking about not only me, but you're thinking about, wow, I can just only imagine what he's going through today. Thought about you. Here you go. Things like that. It's easy. It's (laughs) easy to just like pretend like, you know, avoid these issues and be like, well, it's, it's not happening to me. Good luck. You know what I mean? It's, it's easy to not care and show empathy. It's more challenging to say, all right, man, I care about you. I want to support you and help you anyway. Let's talk about this. What can we do? And you know what, when you've not cared for so long, it's even harder to get over that bridge. But I think people like myself, I've never confronted any things. And I've been in a race relationship with an African-American woman for three years. And we do talk about these things. It's not like it's an unspoken thing, but, but as a, I've never, it's, it's been not as important on the list of things for me. And I, it's, I'm not happy about that. And it's finally a time to be like, all right, let's switch that narrative. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And maybe it took, you know, I saw the brutality of this. I saw the man who's jogging. I'm kind of an asshole for not remembering the guy's name. Who's Ahmad Arbery, who's jogging and was gunned down. And I think that that happening in such a short time, you saw Amy Cooper, 
who's, who used her power on the cell phone with her dog to say, there's an African-American man threatening me. I'm just yeah. like, holy shit, bro. I think that the con the constant showing of this in such a short amount of time, I'm just yeah. like, what the, and, but, you the know, it builds up. But even, even that, like I get so emotional about this because this like is happening every few months where it's like three or so instances where this is occurring. And it's like, I'm telling you, I get, fr I'm like not trying to get angry or frustrated. I really meditate on this. I've been really yeah. meditating on this yeah. because it's just like, everyone is, I don't like trends. I hate, I hate yeah, trends. I'm yeah. very like, I really always stray away from the trends. I'm yeah. straying away from this trend so much because it's like, this has been my reality. I've always wanted to have these conversations. I've always been open to listen about my own bias and get another perspective. I've, those are things that are real for most black people. It's not, <clears throat> excuse me. It's not what's real for a lot of people who are not black. Mm -hmm. And I mean, when I say not black, I mean black in general, because I think yeah. like we even try to group in people of color and we see a lot of racism when it comes to other people of color. Mm -hmm. And we definitely try to unify and we try to use that. And, and we are doing that when we say people of color, but I think we even have to be real there. Those yeah. are not automatic allies. People yeah. who are not black are not automatic allies. And we have to confront that as well as we go through this process. We have to confront the racism within other um, minority cultures. We like, that's, uh, th that's something that's still very prevalent. So we can't depend right. on the support from only white people. We have yeah. to literally like dismantle the racism in every culture and every society in order to make genuine progress. And yeah. I think the one thing I keep saying is the only way we're going to do that is with love. Yeah. There's no yeah. way we're going to, we can't combat hate with hate. That, yeah. that doesn't solve anything. Yep. And, and I always tell myself this as a coordinator of diversity and inclusion, I um connecting and, 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 and being um, one of, you know, I want to say one of the leaders of the Stonewall Center, I'm a straight male, right? I'm a straight male, I'm a straight African-American male, and I don't know how the LGBTQ community suffers, but I listen, I see, I'm educating myself on the pronouns, I'm educating myself that Black transgenders are being harmed mm -hmm. and ill during this time, but no one's talking about it. But what I'm, what I'm saying here is I'm aware of something that I have nothing to do with. Mm -hmm. but I'm aware of it because it's an issue and this is a problem that's going on. This is something that I'm concerned about. This is something that I feel that is important. And this is something that I am an ally of. So if I can do that, right? Yeah. then we can all do that in these different positions that we're in. Mm -hmm. And I tell people that all the time. Being a coordinator of diversity and inclusion doesn't mean, oh, I'm only for the black people. This is what I'm doing. No, I'm in a women's center talking about, okay, it's voting time. What can we do to all come together? It's women's month. What, what other women can we talk about and talk about how strong women are and how they build, build this country on their backs and how these, these laws were put into place so they wouldn't reach these milestones. So when you see a Michelle Obama, 
And when you see women who are running for president in the year 2020, you're like, oh my God, but look how far they come. Oh, yeah. we're talking about that. So it's like, it's like, these are things that I know nothing about, but I am willing to educate myself. I am willing to sit down and to shut up and listen. So if I'm willing to do this as a coordinator of diversity and inclusion, then you can do this as a person. And I think a lot of times we get so stuck in our own pride, we get stuck in our own beliefs, we get stuck in our own ways, that that's the reason why we don't see anything. So this isn't a black versus white problem. This is everybody versus racism. This is everybody versus wrong to a human being. Mm -hmm. This is everybody against the injustice to a human being. This is everybody against the borders that are being built to keep our people from connecting, no matter the language or the gender. That's what this is about. And, I, and, and that should be the list. Everybody against injustice, racism, all these different things. Because that's what needs to happen is everyone doing this, shutting up, and let each community have a conversation, let each community have a say, let each community feel like they have a purpose and a reason to breathe and a reason to walk this great land that we all work walking on. And, and you know, that's just been my whole outlook on everything because, you know, like, like my mother told me, she's like, people need you. And if they need you, you have to be open-minded and you can't let, you can't be a part of trends and you can't be a part of what everyone else is doing. You got to do your own thing because that's the only way you're going to be able to really connect and really, really help people. So being, being African-American has always been hard. It's nothing new. Being African-American, I've seen people lose their lives. I've seen people spend years in prison. I've, 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 I told you I've been in foster care from birth until I was about 11, 12 years old. And God bless, I was adopted by a great family who took care of me. But I lived in different neighborhoods where they were from urban communities to white communities where I was the only black person there. So I was able to experience people and different kinds of people. I was able to see cops arrest black men for no reason. I was able to step out of my mother's house and my neighbor called the cops because there was a black male walking down the street with a cap on and she was scared. The cop comes to me and he's someone I went to high school with. And he looked at me like, she doesn't even know you're her next door neighbor. Mm -hmm. So people don't know that. Or a cop coming to my house saying, you don't live here. I need to see a picture that shows me that you live here. People don't know what that feels like. But I've been through that. And I've lived in these different neighborhoods. I've connected with different people. And I think for us as human beings, we have to allow ourselves to connect and meet new mm -hmm. people and understand their point of views. Take in what they say, take that information with you because it's only gonna help us grow as people. So for me, it's like, I do believe in Black Lives Matter, but I do believe that women's rights matter. I do believe that LGBTQ lives matter. I do believe that the Asian community lives matter. Mm -hmm. I do believe that the POCs that represent these different communities they matter. So when these fights are happening and people are screaming and people are doing these things, I'm not only putting my fists up when something happens to the black community, but I'm putting my fists up when something happens to the women's community. I'm putting my fists up when things are happening to human beings and we need to fight for them. So I think for us right now, it's, 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 it's Black Lives Matter. Okay, it is. But educate yourself, stick with it. 
continue fighting, continue speaking up, and try to get into these rooms that we were never allowed to get into. And if you have privilege and you're already in the room, speak up so that we can have that crack in the door where it's like, all right, <laughs> we're there. So for me, you know, with all that's happening, I am trying to position and build myself to be able to have these conversations, to be able to get on podcasts and talk and tell the people, hey, sometimes you have to shut up and listen. Sometimes it doesn't take you adding things on Instagram. Sometimes it just takes you doing something in your household. Sometimes it takes you just calling your grandpa and telling him, hey, this is how I feel about things, or calling your dad and saying, hey, this is what I'm doing. Sometimes it just takes you, you holding your girlfriend's hand and you just walking up the street in a majority white neighborhood, but you don't care because you like, yo, I love this person for who they are, not because of the color of their skin, but you're already showing it. You're already saying, you're already speaking values. You're already saying, hey, I'm educating myself. I don't need to say anything because I'm already doing the work. You know what I'm saying? So I think a lot of times people think they need to do something. We really don't need to do anything, but wherever you're at, do something to change that scenario. Do something. If your boss is racist and you know it, and you have a, the privilege to speak in those meetings, speak up. Yeah, say something. Don't say something. don't be a bystander. Definitely exactly. say push, something. Push the the envelope on these things. Yep. And, and it I, can't say nothing to you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and and even if I feel like one of the biggest conversations right now is like we know that police officers are unjust or they might be racist, but we work alongside of these people, right? Other police officers will, that are not racist will look, work alongside of them and kind of just be like, it's the culture. Like there's not enough bravery in some of these jobs. There's not enough people who are willing to say like, what you're doing is wrong. And that's why we get to points where cops are instead kneeling on somebody's neck instead of being like hey get off or yeah. hey like what's the right thing to do right now and exactly. i think we have to have people who are willing to like understand that they are important enough to make a change like yeah and i think, one action yeah and i think too you know today i went and got breakfast this morning and this woman came to me and said my boyfriend's a cop um and uh, random woman she, she works at the diner. She cooks and she just saw me walk in and she's seen me a lot. So she's known me just as somebody who always comes in and gets breakfast every once in a while. But she was just like, if you need anything, you know, I can give you his number just in case anything came your way. He's an ally. He's a great person. Mm-hmm. And as we were talking, she said, you know what? You ever thought about, um, you know, maybe going up to the academy and speaking to other police officers? And it hit me because I was like, wow, I wonder if those police officers understand that when they pull someone over of color, how fearful they are. Yeah. And how if you're a cop, you're just trying to do your job, right? So at the end of the day, if you're just thinking, look, I get off at five o'clock, then this cat turned this corner, I got to pull him over. You're not thinking that this person is scared of you. You're not thinking this person's going to drive off. You're not thinking this person... It's like, yo, this cop's going to kill me. I'm already thinking that. I believe that uh, there's no communication in telling them, yo, we're scared of you. Yes. We are scared of you. Even if you're coming just to write me a ticket, I'm thinking about how the hell I'm going to get up out of here. Yeah. 
So I think there's a there's a miscommunication in going into these police academies, going into these police stations and having these conversations about how fearful people of color are and how fearful black men and women are. And I think they have to understand that, uh, yes, we know that your job is hard. Yes, we know that you put yourself, you put your life on the line all the time. I get that. I understand that you're supposed to protect the people. But do you understand the fear that happens when we see those lights go on? Do you understand the PTSD that happens to a black man when he sees a cop roll up to him, even if the cop is just making sure that he's all right? So I think, you know, when she said that, I was like, wow, that conversation isn't happening. So yeah. how do we change? This is what I say again. How do we get into those rooms? How do we change the scenario? Because I believe that the conversation isn't happening because we saw that with Drew Brees. He works with majority of the team, African-Americans, and yet he made that statement. Right? So mm -hmm. just imagine how cops are. Yeah. Imagine a, a white cop and a black cop in partners this whole time, but they never had a discussion on race. They're just doing their job. So you have to think, wait a minute. This conversation is not even happening at the academy. Yeah. That's a very good point. I never, you know, I, I, and I guess I never thought about like that. You know, what's lovely about this, that she, an ally approached you and was very, uh, solution oriented. And yeah. I feel like that's really important right now. And as yeah. we talked about before, don't just ask how I'm doing, like, let's have a true conversation. And she offered that with yeah. a solution. A solution. And I looked at her and I was like, you know, for me, it's like, I'm, I'm put, you know, when you put yourself out there and people feel like they can talk to you, you start moving around the room a lot. Mm -hmm. So everyone starts contacting you like, hey, can we talk? Can we chat? Because people are so afraid to have the conversation with a person of color right now. It's, it's, I understand the fear and I understand someone of color who don't want to have the conversation. I get that. So I think for me, it's more like, all right, if we don't have the conversation, then I'm not doing what my ancestors will want me to do. I'm yeah. not doing what Dr. King will want me to do. I'm not doing what allies of people of color and great leaders have done. I'm not doing what Frederick Douglass fought so hard to get into the White House. He would understand Frederick Douglass was the first African-American to open walk into the White House mm. and have a meeting in the White House. No one talks about that and how strong that was during the time where most African-Americans were slaves. So for me, it's like, all right, if I'm able to walk into a room where they don't see a person of color. I just changed the scenario. We're rebuilding the foundation. And right now, you know, that's, that's just where I'm at with everything is how do we find solutions and how do we rebuild the foundation? So to my little sister, you want to be a lawyer? That's great because you're rebuilding the foundation. We have to change the laws and we have to be able to go into rooms where you don't see a lot of us. And as, as people who are white allies have to be able to be comfortable was standing up, even if a black person isn't in, in the room. So if you can stand up and say something without a person of color in the room, that means you've done something. Yeah. So, you know, I, um, that's just, you know, that's where my angle is and what my, my view on things are. I try to really see things clearly, but I do cry. I do hurt. I do feel the pain. I, I, I do, I am scared sometimes, but, um, I believe that with faith 
and a positive outlook, progress can happen. And from looking at Dr. King and looking at great leaders and even looking at um, Barack Obama, uh, what he's done just to change the scenario. He changed the scenario. You can say what you want about him. Oh, he didn't do this. He didn't do that. Seeing a black man become president of the United States definitely made me go back to college and get my associate's degree, my BA degree, and to be in the position I am as director of coordinator of diversity and inclusion. So for that, he changed the scenario and made me get out of the hole that I was in and change my life. So uh, for me, I want to continue to do that work. And I think what you guys are doing here, this podcast, this podcast is great. Thank you so much for asking me to be a part of this. It's great to see you. It's been a minute. (laughs) And it's great that you're still doing this. It's great. And I think uh, these conversations are so important. So whenever you want to have these conversations, I am open to having them. Even if a year from now you're like, I feel like people don't forgot about George Floyd. Hit me up. I'll be right back. <laughs> Is there, I mean, this has been a pretty fucking solid podcast. You know, keep doing what you guys are doing because this is this is what it's all about. Wherever we are, if we can make change and it's making things a little brighter. Just because we're not on the 10 o'clock news, just because Oprah Winfrey's not interviewing us and Obama's not sitting in our living room, doesn't mean we're not making change. So, um, you know, it's, 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 it's all about making progress and doing the best that we can, you know? I guarantee you this is going to, at least one person will hear this and their minds will change. And I believe a lot more, but like, I think people will listen to this. All right, man. Uh, yeah. All right, bro. I appreciate it again. Thank you. Of course. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. you. Great day. All right. You too. Bye. Later.